This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. All right, we are ready to go. So again, good morning, folks. Great service ahead for you today as, as we take a look at, at, at the idea of one more place at the table. And I love that first song going out. You know, how do we prepare the way for the Lord? And it's, it's easy to kind of think of that, preparing the way, as, as uh, you know, something deeply heady. And it's not. We, we prepare the way as we prepare a meal. We prepare the way as we prepare a meal. By trying to think about what table fellowship means. What does it really mean to have one more place at the table? We've been looking at that in this series. One more place at the table. Last week we looked at the invitation. This week, let's say it all loud together. This week we are looking at the conversation. The conversation. And next week we're looking at the meal. Now the word conversation actually means to live with. Martin Luther King so obviously exemplifies that. He took the Christian message. He was a deeply Christian man and saw that as a way, as a tool for teaching people about this thing called the way. That's what Christianity was originally called, the way. And it wasn't based on purity boundaries. It was based on a very wonderful idea of table fellowship of getting people to connect one to another. And he talked in a speech, a beautiful speech, and it's so much one that I think Christ would smile at. I have a dream. A dream where children are known more for the content of their character and for the color of their skin. And kids know stuff. So to get us started, I want you to take a look at these kids, this little video, about some kids who know a thing or two. Take a look. What makes you two different from each other? Um... I used to not like letters, but now I like letters. I do not like letters at all. Lucy loves tomato sauce, and I I do like it, but I don't like love it as much as Lucy. Don't have the same. Our orphan is down the hill, and I no, I live up the hill. No, I have smaller toes than Artie. Daddy, I like squishy and chips, and I like sushi. And they're different. She never stops talking. You got different hair. He, um, listen, has that doesn't have squirrels in the roof. We have squirrels in the leaf roof, so we can't watch television that much because it's biting all the wires. Oh. I'm good at gymnastics and, and, and Kaylee May is good at swimming. I'm not good at dancing. I am. You're a defender and I'm a defender. No, I'm not anyone. I used to be, now I'm not. No, we're not. What? Good at dancing and I'm good at hiding. <laughs> and Matthew's he's, good he's at. better tig. And, Muff, and Matthew's good at um, staying in den. 
When it comes to difference, children see things differently. Do you have anything else to say? No. CBeebies. Everyone's welcome. obvious from that video, right? The kids know stuff, yet we live in a society where, where things can break down. Where instead of having one more place at the table, we create these boundaries around tables. These boundaries about who's in and who's out. A tragic part of a lot of nation's history, a tragic part of our history, we're aware with the Jim Crow system. You know, where we were clearly dividing, moving away from that wisdom that those children so lovingly expressed. And the battle here, and I think this is important, I think this is important wherever you are, you know, whatever place you are in your life. And I I think this is a really profound point. The battle is this. The disquieting reality is that the conflict was and is not between good and evil, but between good and normal. That we can kind of normalize ourselves to division, to the who's in and to the who's out. Because I want to be clear, folks, if you want to practice or I want to practice or we want to practice one more place at the table, it takes work. A lot of work. I say this often, it's words of Father Gregory Boyle. We have some first-time people here, so I want to say it again. We often forget people are not interruptions. People are simply not interruptions. But the problem becomes in our lives with the way we live, this. We can kind of live with what one author called exclusionary vapors. I like that word, like vapors. It can just become sort of an atmosphere that we live in, that we normalize. And we can lose track of that dream. We can lose track of that bigger thing. I want to come down off stage here and I want to talk a bit about how maybe to see this. We still have yet to figure out how we can do a jump or something here, but (laughs) there will be a bridge. bridge. But I like this. This is kind of fun. So, So human nature, human nature, new church view of human nature, a traditional Christian view of human nature is that you draw a line right down the middle. On one side is light. And on the other side is dark. I need to have complete honesty here. Could I get a big yes? Yes. Yes. How many of us have yelled at our children over the past three weeks? (laughs) Not me. Not me, right. Grandchildren. You know, where we just, we just kind of lost it. We, for whatever happened, we lost control. We, we just, we weren't thinking. We said something unkind. We were short with the child. That's part of that dark side. And yet, there's incredible light here as well. I mean, I was watching a picture of, uh, you know, somebody doing a uh, video from the Xfinity Center. Oh my goodness. I wish I was that popular. Like people jumping and dancing, and how much fun is that? that? That connection to light. We always have to hold ourselves, folks, as that mix. Because when I hold myself as that mix, that means I'm able to celebrate with you when you've had a really good day. I'm able to get it. I'm able to smile and be happy with you and be happy for you. And then the other side as well. 
if I understand that I have a darkness in me and you have a darkness in you, it allows us to connect, and this sounds strange even, but to connect at that level, to go, yeah, parenting's tough. Parenting's rough. Yeah, that's a struggle for me as well. Yeah, my wife and I occasionally fight about money just like you two. See, when we can hold both and, it actually allows us to have a much more expansive view of human nature. And a lot of the time, people believe they're all dark. That's not true. A lot of the time, people believe they're all light. That's not true. Where are you? You are this line. Right down the middle. Always able to choose between the two. That is the freedom that God guards, that God guards is the very apple of his eye. That very freedom, because that's where we're conscious. And that's where we have conscience. So this line is good. When I point to you, you're going to tell me about this other line, and the word begins with B. This line is, and say it all together, bad. So I can draw this line, but I got to be really careful drawing this line. Because if I do this, what I can do is I can start to hold this side, me, my tribe, my this, my that as virtuous, and your side as not. That's dangerous. That's the Jim Crow system. That's apartheid. Those are all those pieces where we draw those lines between the virtuous and the not-so-virtuous. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. I think this is so incredibly important. When we draw this kind of line, what we practice, and listen to this, folks. This one, I read this. I just thought, man, this just nails it. The danger here is that it allows us to practice virtue without obligation. Could we say that together? Virtue without obligation. So it allows me to stay here and be virtuous. But I have no obligation to reach across, to be in conversation, to offer an invitation. I don't have those things. And I think it's a beautiful check, right? It's a beautiful check. Like for me, just even thinking this week, like, yeah, where do I practice virtue without obligation? That's known as being judgmental. We're staying on one side of the line, judging everybody over on the other side. The joy is, folks, is that once we're aware of that, we can start to practice virtue, but it becomes the virtue of obligation. Not without, but the virtue of obligation. The virtue to reach out. The virtue to connect. When I walked in this morning, I saw this ramp, and they actually do have a, do have a regular bridge here, and it's kind of funny here. Ask me, can you shout out real loud what it says right here? Mind the gap. Mind the gap. So if you're walking, if any of you are walking here at the end of the service, mind the gap. So so we're always supposed to be minding the gap, right? Because there's this piece of who I want to be. One more place the table. And there's this piece of who I am. Someone who tends to draw lines like this. Martin Luther King takes Christ's message and is able to reach across both of these. 
from where human nature is to a vision of what human nature can become, learning to mind the gap, because there's always a gap. When I come back, I want to share with you a Bible story that talks just about how to build this bridge between these two. And it's a powerful story that has meaning for our lives today. That is so good, my goodness. And, you know, and, and that idea of, like, God save the people, like, what, is, what does salvation actually mean? You know, maybe this, folks, maybe this, something to think about. Maybe heaven is a practice. Think about that. Maybe heaven is a practice. Yes, a promise in a sorts for a far-off day. More importantly, a practice. Maybe that's why Christ said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. That idea of heaven, we can practice it now. But it can just be a practice. It can be a choice. It's interesting when you look at, 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 at Christianity historically, they, they were on the outside. This was a small group again, known as the way. They were setting up in cities throughout the Middle East. It was spreading, not by force, but by simple word and love and deed. And one of the things that they struggled with was, was how as these small little churches do we exist in a culture that is so set against some of the normal things that we believe in or have come to believe in? How do we exist within those cultures? It's interesting because it's an important question. Today was an important question 2,000 years ago. One of the books of the New Testament really looks at that and really looks at, okay, how is it that we do live in these places? And that's a book by the name of First Peter. And I want to read a, a couple of lines from this to give you folks a sense of what they were talking about. Now, the first one is this. And I'm going to have you say living hope together with a lot of hopeful language. In God's great mercy, he has given us new birth into a, into a living hope. Like just, that's so good. <laughs> like that's so good. I, you know, I, you know this, I'm a history teacher from way back when. People don't write like this. That's speaking to something at a soul level. What if that's salvation? What if that's a key part of it? That idea of a new birth into a living hope. Not an objective hope, but a living hope. When I hear you folks saying, I think about living hope. Obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply. From the heart. Now notice, folks, it says obeying the truth, not so you'll be right and be correct and get more likes on Facebook. Doesn't say any of that. It says you obey the truth so that you have more sincere love for each other. You love one another deeply from the heart. Draw on the line. The side of light. God always draws straight with crooked lines. Could I get an amen on that one? Amen. <laughs> amen. God draws straight. No matter how crooked you are, God's going to draw a straight line. That's how his economy works. And there's a dark. And here's God saying like, yeah, there's this light side. And, 
then there's this dark side. Let's acknowledge it, and we can do something about it. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Think slander as gossip of every kind. Beautiful, beautiful lines there. Think of that new birth into a living hope. And now let's take that how just one step further. Let's go down a little further. First Peter. Abstain from sinful desires. I love this line too. Like this is so good. It's so good I can't even fully get it. It's just so good. Which wage war against your soul. Do you see how incredibly hopeful that is? It's not holding this dark side and saying like, look, you have this dark side and that's who you are. It's saying this dark side is, what it's doing is that it's actually waging war against your soul. Anybody who struggles with addiction knows exactly what I'm talking about. And God wants you to be free. God wants you to be free. As free people, as free people, Live as free people, but do not add, do not use your freedom as a cover-up. I like that. So don't use your freedom as license to do anything you want. That's a different kind of freedom. Do not use your freedom as a cover-up. Ready? We're going to say this really loud. Everyone's going to say this. All right, ready? We are to honor everyone. We are to honor everyone. We are to honor everyone. That goes back to that table fellowship we talked about last week. Love the family of believers. In other words, other Christians. Fear God. Fear there means, from fear from a a new church uh, perspective, doesn't mean like being afraid of God. It means a fear as in a tenderness. A desire to not harm. Honor the emperor. Now that's a little throwaway line. We won't even think about it. They're talking about the emperor of Rome. They're saying even honor this guy who's persecuting us. Honor everyone. Both those who are part of our tribe and those who are not. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you and despitefully use you. Very much a radical, radical view. And we see with this radical view, we see this. We see a radical change in the ask. It's it's a very different form of asking. This is kind of hard to get across. So, you know, I'm going to do my best, but it probably won't be perfect. So I just want to throw it out there. It pulls us out of any way of being a victim. There's no victimization in this at all. There's an understanding that we're all light and dark. There's an acknowledgement that this part has to go so that this part, which is the default, can thrive. And there's not a, a, a contraction of me into a little group that's constantly victimized and picked on. It's an expansion and an invitation into a third way. That's why I think, folks, the I Have a Dream speech of Martin Luther King mattered so much to so many people. They were looking for a third way that was beyond just the either or. They were trying to find something that was a both and. 
where, where both groups could come together, find a vision, and move towards it. That's what Christianity is at its best, finding that vision, moving towards it, living into that as, as, as deeply and as meaningfully as we can. And as we do this, we need some practical tools. Now, last year, I actually shared these tools, but I want to share them again. Martin Luther King said there are 10 commandments of nonviolence. These are well worth reading. That's what we're going to do. There are 10 of them. I'm going to be coming out with the microphone. If you'd like to read one, just raise your hand. I'll tell you the number and you read it. And I'd like you to just listen to these and listen to these as a way of life. Listen to these as something tied back into these pieces from 1 Peter thousands of years before, but incredibly relevant today. Incredibly relevant for all of us. So I need a first volunteer to read number one. The pledge starts, I hereby pledge myself, my person, and my body to the nonviolent movement. Therefore, I will keep the following Ten Commandments. Brave person. Meditate daily on the teachings and life of Jesus. Good one. Remember always that the nonviolent movement seeks justice and reconciliation not victory. That one, that's tattoo worthy. I mean, that's so good. Right? Do you get how big that is? Can I please get an amen on that? <laughs> that? That is huge. Beyond victory, the idea of reconciliation. Beautiful stuff. Who wants to read number three? Walk and talk in the manner of love, for God is love. <laughs> Great definition of God. Number four. Pray daily to be used by God in order that all people might be freed. Isn't that beautiful? It, and folks, again, like notice the freedom there. Who's supposed, who's supposed to be freed here? All people. All people. All right. The next one, number five. Who's, oh, you, Tom, you're making me work for my lunch. Sacrifice personal wishes in order that people, all people, might be free. It's <laughs> so good. So you see that sacrifice and that obligation. To sacrifice means to make sacred. Number six. Just, I need this one. Follow the, it's gone. <laughs> okay. Um, observe the both friend and foe, the ordinary rules of courtesy. Simple courtesy. Just, you know, Swedenborg talks about, like, you want to get the religious life, be kind. <laughs> Not sure what to do, default to kindness. I think that's what's speaking to that. All right, next one, number seven. Number seven. Seek to perform regular service for others and for the world. Amen. That idea of serving, that idea of something outside of yourself. Number eight. Number eight. Who wants to read number eight? Refrain from the violence of fist, tongue, or heart. <laughs> that is not an easy what? Nine. Strive to be in good spiritual and bodily health. That's good. And number 10. Follow the directions of the movement and of the captain on a demonstration. Isn't that beautiful? Folks, round of applause for all those people willing to read.
those lines there are so incredibly powerful. I, I just, you know, I read through it again and again. It just, it's powerful to me. It's powerful that we can take this message 2,000 years ago. We can take it and we can see how people lived it. We can learn how to mind the gap and live into a new world. I mean, I've shared those 10 with a lot of people. No one's ever gone like, Chuck, i got to tell you they're wrong. They're not, because they speak to your soul. They speak to that light that is within you already. And they speak to a beautiful way to move out of the dark. So much of what we celebrate this weekend. Now, folks, it's important to remember that, that we can make this transition. Martin Luther King, all these people, they're just ordinary people. That's it. They took what Christ had to say and they said, let's just try living this. Imperfectly, but let's just try living it. A phrase that's been knocking around in my head a lot, because I think it's what the call is to, is a saying, is a, is a quote from Pope Francis, where he was, he was calling us to a vision. Listen to this, listen to this. Actually, close your eyes and listen to it. It's so good. We are to be, listen to this, artisans of the common good. Artisans of the common good. Beautiful. Spot on. To do that, what we draw is going to be important. What we don't draw is going to be important. And even those who draw these lines, God has a way of working with them in amazing ways. As we close, as we start to pull the service together, I want to talk, give you a story of Westboro Baptist Church. How many of you are familiar with Westboro Baptist Church? Not a kind, kind and friendly place. Westboro Baptist Church does not have all welcome on its side. <laughs> Westboro Baptist is, is a fundamentalist church who has gotten a lot of national press because they put a lot of their efforting into purity boundaries, not into the table fellowship that we've talked about, into clear drawing lines of virtue between the inside and between the outside. Now, some of the things that have been alarming to people have been events like this, where they're known for protesting at, at funerals for soldiers, believing that because in the United States, uh, you know, homosexuality occurs, because that occurs, that God's punishment is that American soldiers die. Yuck. 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 Literally, you can see, you can see the purity boundary right here. And notice, instead of saying God loves, what does the poster of the young woman there said? God hates. We can, if we choose, use religion that way. And the challenge is, it gets the patina then of certainty of religious certainty. 
Now, the miracle is this. Martin Luther King, many good people, many, many good people, see that. And instead of drawing their own purity boundary, what they do is they go, yep, we all have light, we all have dark. Invitation to conversation is what needs to take place for those walls to come down. I want to talk about that woman holding the poster, actually. Her name is Megan Phelps Roper. Megan Phelps Roper. She does a phenomenal TED Talk at which, over time, she starts to engage some of these people who are on the other side of the line because they engaged her. There was an invitation and there was a conversation that actually led to a miracle. Take a listen to what she has to share. For it. My friends on Twitter didn't abandon their beliefs or their principles, only their scorn. They channeled their infinitely justifiable offense and came to me with pointed questions tempered with kindness and humor. They approached me as a human being, and that was more transformative than two full decades of outrage, disdain, and violence. I know that some might not have the time or the energy or the patience for extensive engagement, but as difficult as it can be, reaching out to someone we disagree with is an option that is available to all of us. And I sincerely believe that we can do hard things, not just for them, but for us and our future. Escalating disgust and intractable conflict are not what we want for ourselves or our country or our next generation. My mom said something to me a few weeks before I left Westboro, when I was desperately hoping there was a way I could stay with my family. People I have loved with every pulse of my heart since even before I was that chubby-cheeked five-year-old standing on a picket line holding a sign I couldn't read. She said, you're just a human being, my dear sweet child. She was asking me to be humble, not to question, but to trust God and my elders. But to me, she was missing the bigger picture, that we're all just human beings, that we should be guided by that most basic fact and approach one another with generosity and compassion. Each one of us contributes to the communities and the cultures and the societies that we make up. The end of this spiral of rage and blame begins with one person who refuses to indulge these destructive, seductive impulses. We just have to decide that it's going to start with us. Thank you. And where, where she mentions, you know, how escalating disgust, escalate, escalating things like that, like they're not going to move us into who we want to be. Beautiful line. And you can hear in her voice and you can hear in what she did that, that, that these people actually minded the gap and they actually were able to reach across that gap when she couldn't into a much brighter world. Now, can I tell you something really funny? So one of the people that she was in conversation with, she got to know so well, she ended up marrying him. <laughs> she ended up marrying somebody out of this. That's beautiful. 
That's what we can create. How do we do it? One more place at the table. That simple. And that hard. And that joyous. So your task, folks, and I'd ask these folks, you can start actually filing up here. Your task is this. Day by day, let's say it together. Day by day, ready? Day by day, we're going to? Commit no detours. We're going to commit no detours. In other words, where there are those places where we can reach across, do it. Where there are those places we can invite, do it. Where there are those places for conversation, do it. And by the way, can you guess what the last song's going to be? Day by day. Last song's going to be day by day. Very good. You guys already knew that, didn't you? Last song we're going to do is day by day. So I'm actually going to ask these folks to join me in prayer. I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer as well. Then when the song starts, you guys know the chorus, day by day. So I'd actually ask you when we're done to actually join with them. And because I think this is so important, let's actually say our prayer standing up today. If you're able to stand, please stand up for the, for the prayer. I'll scooch right in between you guys. Boom. We can all hold hands. There you go. So, Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And, Lord, help us to live into this message, to breathe into this message. A message, Lord, of table fellowship. A message where we understand that you draw straight with crooked lines. A message where we understand that we are both blessed and we are both broken. And so are others. A message, Lord, where we are no longer drawing lines between us and other groups holding virtue on one side, non-virtue on the other. We're going to try in ways imperfect, small, and faulty to not practice virtue without obligation, but to practice the virtue of obligation to all our brothers and sisters in this world. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. Thank you for this amazing group of young people And help us to simply get better, to find our way home, day by day. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.